Oh, John chapter 11. Uh, we will pick it up in verse 28. Again, if you are uh, new with us, just want to say welcome to Refuge. Uh, it's an honor that you're here this morning. So let's get in the word and uh, just see what the Lord has for us. <laughs> verse 28. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were, uh, who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, if you remember last week, same thing, same question, Lord, if you had been here, my brother uh, would not have died. And so when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled, and he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? We'll, we'll stop there. We're going to read some more. But what I want us to do uh, is just to say a word of prayer and just ask God to help me uh, this morning. So would you pray with me? Yes. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you um, just for... Uh, given us life, the new life in you, Christ, that only you can give us. I thank you, Lord, for each person here. I pray, God, that when they leave, they won't say how magnificent of a service or how great the songs or how, um, how awesome or terrible the uh, sermon is, but they'll say, look at, look at how awesome God is. Look at how awesome Jesus is. So I pray that you uh, help me. Um, speak your word clearly and help us to have ears to hear it clearly in Jesus name Amen, Amen. So this is a scene uh, if, you weren't, if you hadn't been with us for a couple weeks uh, the scene is that uh, Lazarus he dead, he gone alright uh, they are in this few days of trauma, few days of questioning few days of doubting, I don't know if you've ever been there, particularly around death. Uh, death is a very interesting thing to be around because it always kind of stirs within me a question uh, about death. Um, I, I've been around uh, long enough. I've, I've even before pastoring, I've been around death. I remember when my grandfather was on his deathbed, I would read scripture over him, and and I wondered like when when he was there. I wonder if he was afraid. I wonder what kind of emotion that he had prior to going into this kind of state of really just not there in this kind of this coma that he was uh, in before he breathed his last breath. And I've been into the hospital rooms as a pastor, uh, been seen people before they die, and, and I've seen people take their last breath. And I've always wondered, you know, what it's like to be right there in that moment. I wonder if they're afraid. And then that kind of fear kind of comes on me like, Oh my gosh, death is coming my way. 
you know, I'm, I'm going to die. You're going to die. Sorry. Welcome to, yes, you will. Yeah, welcome to the most encouraging church, right? Where the preacher reminds you that you're going to die. So morbid. This is the same reality that I'm sure they're facing. I'm sure this is a question that some of them may be wondering. You could, you could kind of almost hear the fear in Mary. You could almost kind of hear the fear in, in Martha. Like, like, what's going on? Like, why are we going through this? Like, what, if Jesus, you had just been here in this moment, things would have perhaps ended up differently. Now, maybe you haven't witnessed death close to you, but maybe you've been through some type of trauma. Maybe you've been through some type of suffering. You've, you've been around that same feeling, the feeling of fear, the feeling of what's going on, the fear, the, the fear of feeling like, God, what are you doing? God, what are you thinking in this moment? This is exactly what's going on in the scene of this text this morning. There's this, there's this angst among these people. There's these questions going on. There's a fear going on. And they're wondering, God, Jesus, if you had just been here, the crowd gets a little bit more um, in your face. Like, you, you healed a blind dude. Not have you done something. But I want you to see something that Jesus is doing. It's in his love, if you think back in verse 5, where it says, Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. Dot, dot, dot. He stayed two days where he was at. I want you to get this picture of God's love, if we can, this morning. It was God's love that he stayed the two days longer. Now, I know that does not seem right. I know that does not seem like a God that you and I can love, but it was for his reason that he wanted to, to display his love to them, to display his glory, that he waited two days longer. Now, I got an issue with that because he was more than capable of walking, hear me, 1.7 miles. Could have tracked that in at least an hour could have been there if he's power walking. Maybe he's marathoning or sprinting like some of you do, and he's there in like 15 minutes. I ain't got the knees that can do that anymore. But he's, he could have been there, but in and out of his love, what did Jesus do? He stayed for two days. This is a display of the love that God has and I want you to see this in this text because if you feel like God has ever delayed you from something or if God has ever denied you of something, um, it's not because he's angry at you. Okay. I don't want you to think that like God's this angry God who's uh, waiting with his rod to beat you on the head with something. I'm denying you your request because I'm angry and I hate your guts. It was not his anger. He, didn't, he wasn't angry at them is the reason why he was denied. He was out of his love that he let this thing play out. He does not mainly love us in this life by oftentimes sparing us, I need you to hear this very carefully, of suffering and pain. He loves us by showing us and giving us himself. I like what John Piper says. Don't measure the love of God for you by how much health, wealth, 
and comfort that he brings to you. Because if you measured your love of God based on that criteria, then God hated Paul. And God hated his apostles. And God hates many of us in this room. If that is the measure of how we measure the love of God towards us. If we measure it based on the world's standards, well, I know God loves me because I've got all of these cool things and I'm living a comfortable, nice life. If that's the measure of God's love, then he hates a lot of us in this room. That's not the measure of God's love. Oftentimes, the measure of God's love is him wanting to display himself to you and the glory of God may be revealed in your life. That's how you measure the love of God. You measure the love of God by how much you're seeing and beholding of his glory and beauty. How do you see God? How do you behold his glory? And is he revealing that to you? That's how you measure his love for you. And in that, Jesus is going to delay his love for them because he wants them to see his glory rightly for who it is. If you demand that God love you the way that the world uh, expects or the world expects to be loved in this life, you really will have no understanding of how God loves you. Because he loved Lazarus and Mary and Martha, he stayed two days longer. Jesus loved them. Dealing with suffering in this room, dealing with some kind of pain, dealing with some kind of anxiety, dealing with some kind of issue this, this morning, it's not a sign that God has left you or has denied you. Perhaps, dear Christian, it's a sign that he loves you. Now, I want to give you three theological uh, ideas that we ought to have when it comes to suffering, the first thing is that you need to hear this morning is that suffering is because of the brokenness and the sin that is in the world. Hear me. We suffer in this world because we are in a broken world. God created a perfect world, but what happened? Sin came and fractured that which was good and now we all live as rebels against a holy and righteous God. And now we are under the penalty of his death. And we are in this world, not perfected, but we are in this world that is broken. Sometimes you're just going through issues in your life because the world is just broken. Sometimes bad things happen in your life it's just because we live in this broken world. Don't think for a moment that you were supposed to be handed this life that was filled with glamour and riches and health and wealth and a six-pack. That is not the standard of this life. <laughs> because oftentimes, you're going to be in this world and you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna face, be faced with suffering and it's just going to be because it's a result of Suffering, Willie James, you ain't got no six-pack. All right, sit down. Number two, you got a. We're that kind of church. Willie's got a keg. Um, the the second thing about truth about suffering is God 
And this is good news because that seemed like it was terrifying news. It seems like I need a hug at this point in my sermon, but I'm going to get really happy with you in just a minute. Number two, God has reversed the curse of suffering in our place. Amen. The cross of Christ, God Amen. absorbed, or Jesus absorbed the wrath of God that you and I deserved. Amen. The third thing about suffering is that, and, and we find in this particular text this morning, is that God uses our suffering for his glory and our Good. That's where we find ourselves this morning. God is going to use their suffering for his good, for your good and his glory. Somebody's Bible is reading to you. Uh, you, better, you better stop that. Um, now, I know there's an objection to that. For, for his glory, my good? What about the Holocaust? But what about September 11th? Well, I'll just refer you back to point number one. You're in a broken world. Those things happen. There are three statements, a few statements that I just want to draw out of this uh, this morning. We dealt with one of them last week. I'm not going to deal with it too much. Uh, but I think these, these statements should really was where we should focus our attention on. Um, Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would live. Now, Martha says this. Jesus gives her a, a response. Mary says the same exact thing. Jesus gives a different response in the crowd. They don't really say this, but it's more of kind of like this, mm-hmm. You ever been around them type of people? Mm-hmm. <laughs> See there, if you couldn't, we saw you heal that blind man. You could have stopped this from happening. Those negative people, you know, just like that right there. Mm-hmm. Don't be one of them people. Please. We don't need no Christians who are always negative about things. Mm-hmm. Thought you did that, but look at you. You can't do nothing now. Mm-hmm. Thought that Alabama's going to win. Mm-hmm. Look at them now. <laughs> War Eagle, y'all. Anyway, um, look at this. So, so Jesus... Sorry. I love you, though. Uh, so Jesus, if... You would have been here. Martha says something, and I need to draw this out to you real quick. If you had been here, my brother would not have lived. Now, now I want, Jesus gives a response to her. Is, it is a theological truth to her. And the responses are going to be completely different. And I think if we can really look into this text this morning, that while we're going through our suffering, Jesus is going to respond in almost these three different ways in our suffering. The first response Jesus gives in the suffering is a theological, fundamental truth about who he is. And sometimes when we are going through suffering, we just need to be reminded about the truth of who Jesus is. Jesus looks at her and he tells her, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Here's what he's saying. I'm exactly what Lazarus needs. And Martha, I'm exactly what you need in this moment. I am the resurrection and the life. Despite how this turns out, Martha, I am all that you need. Despite if Lazarus comes now or later, I'm going to raise you, Martha, from your dead state. Okay. And sometimes when we're in our suffering, sometimes when we're in our trauma or pain, we just need Jesus to remind us of the gospel truth. Sometimes we just need to be reminded of the truth of the gospel. That despite whatever happens in this life, 
If he moves or doesn't move, he is the resurrection and the life. Despite my suffering. Now, Paul would say that even my suffering is just light and momentarily compared to that which of the glory that awaits for me. That's the Christian perspective. If God don't roll away your stone right now, honey, it's okay because we get to be with Jesus in eternity. And this is where I would say I wish I had some help right here this morning. Y'all. So, so that's the fundamental, powerful, theological truth that Jesus gives Martha. Despite what happens, I'm God. Now, it's different, and it's interesting how Jesus responds to all of them. And now with Mary, it gets a little different. Mary comes to him, and Jesus comes to Mary, and she's like, you know, Jesus, if you'd been here, same thing. My brother, he'd be here right now. Jesus is deeply moved and troubled. And I've, I've always thought that his tears were a little strange. Like, he knows what he's about to do. Like, it, I, I don't know, three minutes, five minutes, ten minutes from now? Like, couldn't he have just said, just grabbed her by the face and like, girl, stop y'all crying, honey. Don't you know who you're talking to? Because that's what I would have done. Look at my kids like, don't you know who you're talking to, boy? I got the power. I mean, I ain't got no power, but I'm saying, like, Jesus, like, I, I would have thought, like, surely Jesus would have just, why is he crying with her? Just look at her and say, girl, I got this. But he doesn't. We see a display of Jesus' humanity and his compassion for people. Get a picture of Jesus who goes through suffering with you. Even when Jesus knows that this pain is temporary, Jesus looks at her with compassion and he just weeps. I mean, he wouldn't know like, none like that, you know, that manly crying where you just go, no, man, it's just my allergies. I mean, he is weeping. It's because you have a picture of Jesus who is compassionate. And even in your suffering, he's right there with you. So sometimes you may need just to be reminded of a theological truth about who Jesus is. Other times you just need a Jesus who's just right there with you. There to comfort. There to bring peace. There, can zoom tight. There to bring joy to you. One Jesus giving theological truth, and now this Jesus is giving comfort. But, this is interesting because it says that he is deeply moved and troubled. Uh, D.A. Carson, one of the uh, theologi the theologians that I've been reading uh, as we've gone through this book, he says that this word really gives a connotation of a bull snorting in anger. As if it's, I guess he's ready to charge that which is in front of him. Now, um, an another theologian says this word indicates not sympathy so much as Jesus preparing to enter a ring like a wrestler preparing for the contest. I mean, he, he groans because the violent tyranny of death, which he had to overcome, now stands before his eyes. So there's one perspective about why he is really growling and, and just angry at this grave, and he's there mourning with the people. Or perhaps... These negative Nellies that are around him are enraging him. I mean, you got two different views 
I would lean more towards this is just God's compassion and his anger towards death. Just a display of his humanity. You, you've been there. You've shaken your fist to the heavens. God, what are you thinking? God, who do you think you are? I mean, we get angry when we're going through these things because we think that we don't deserve this. Here, Jesus is uh, showing how he is this sympathetic high uh, priest and he's there with us and he's feeling our anger towards death. Here again is a Jesus that knows what it's like to go through suffering. And he's there with his best friends and he feels the pain, feels the weight of the brokenness of the world. So there's two, pers- there, there's two ways Jesus deals with our suffering. And then there's another way Jesus deals with our suffering and how he responds to it because sometimes he does move with his sovereign power. Look at verse 38. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. And I love Martha, practical. You know, I get it. The sister of the dead man said to him, Lord, by this time, there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. The KJV would say, the Lord, he stinketh. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Tell your kids that. That's pretty good. Go on there, babe. Lord, by this time, he stinketh, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you, woman? I just inserted that. That if you believed, you would see the glory of God. So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I love this prayer, man. This is good. I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips. And his face wrapped with a cloth, Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Jesus said, Take away the stone. And now you get a really sense of the weight of fear here. There's a weight of fear that is on display here by Martha. Jesus, I believe, but I just don't know about this whole thing yet. You, you get that? You, feel, you hear that? Not to make this about us, but come on, y'all. This is, this is what we say all the time. Jesus, I believe you can do anything. But I, just, I don't know if you can do. I, I'm just scared of what may happen. If this, yeah, but really, can't you, you really going to save this not head over here? You really, you really think you could deliver? I believe, yes, Jesus. We come and we raise our hands. Some of you just, you don't because you're not charismatic. Just chill out there. That's cool too, whatever. And you, 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 in your heart, you're like, I believe, I believe. But when you're faced with like a really seemingly impossible situation, what do you say? Ah, man, I just, I don't know. And this one, this one right here, God, this one just doesn't seem like, this one doesn't just seem like you're not going to be able to fix this one. There's a fear that's inside of her. And I know that there's a fear inside of a lot of us, too, when we're faced in this very similar situation in our life. We believe. I'm just scared it ain't going to work. 
not only was there fear, but there's also a sense of unbelief because this fear was really revealing that she didn't believe. And Jesus is just like, woman, I, I told you, whether you believe or not, I will display my glory. Now, that is a slap in the face of any word of faith movement teaching you here. Because what the word of faith movement would say is, you just got to have more faith. Just believe, just believe, just believe. More faith. Speak it, speak it, speak it. Look what's happening in this text. Their belief is dying. And Jesus is still God, regardless of their belief in him in this moment or not. Jesus is like, I'll have none of it. I'll do what I want to do. I'll display my glory regardless if you believe or not, regardless if you have this great, surging, mountainous faith, or regardless if your faith is just barely hanging in there. God is God despite your belief. As if to say that your belief like, kind of grows him into some bigger God, like God feeds off of your belief. That is so ridiculous. God is God, honey. I hate to break it to you. He's God with or without you. He raised the dead with or without your faith. And this should cause that heresy to fall flat on its face because God is God despite. And he will move in your situation whether you start believing or whether you start doubting. God is not hinged upon what you think. It's what makes him God and you not. I just feel like I'm angry. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> this is good, man. This is so good because there's so many times where I have so much disbelief. And God is in the heavens not wringing his hands like, what am I going to do with that thrower? He don't believe. Now I can't do it. God will move despite. And that's so comforting to us this morning. Mary and Martha, there is this hint of disbelief and fear. And man, Jesus does not, at one time, he's not angry at them. Now the anger starts to rage a little bit, and that crowd, negative crowd comes in. But he displays his power, despite. This is encouraging to us, I'm sure there's this worry of stench. I mean, she just said, Jesus, he's going to stink. But Jesus had been working in the back behind the scene here. He wasn't worried about the stench of death. He was about to reveal to them his glory. This is really indicative of, of, of how you and I are living our life right now. We sometimes we sometimes God moves. Sometimes He just reminds you of a theological truth of who He is. Sometimes He's just there. And other times He rolls away the stone. Now we want the power, right? We want to see the power displayed. I mean that's that's my option. I'm faced with a difficult situation. God, I need, I, I want option three. But the reality of it is, is that sometimes that doesn't happen. 
and the reality of it is that sometimes when he doesn't move or he's or he seems like he's delaying his move towards us like a couple years from now you can kind of look back on those situations that you were faced and you're you're kind of like oh yeah that's what God was doing because God was working in the background for his glory for our good So I want you to see something here, and I want to I want to just close on this thought. Anybody want to ask you a question? Anybody know where Lazarus is today? Y'all, he dead. Right, he ain't alive. <laughs> ain't some mystical creature roaming around Israel right right now. I mean, I've been alive for two thousand years. Spoiler alert: He died again. <laughs> he did. That's just what. No, he didn't sit down. This is just what happens. Don't you think that the next time that Mary and Martha, or how, I don't know how it happened, but maybe they were still alive when they had to bury their brother. Maybe not. I don't know. This is just conjecture here. I'm sure that whomever was around, they knew the story of Lazarus. I mean, surely they had the understanding. Jesus can do whatever he wants to. Ultimately, he will because he's fully in control. But if he doesn't raise him again, I know one day he'll be raised again with Christ so there is like this there has to be a shift here I would hope that now they say now they see clearly who Jesus is that he can move now he can move later perhaps he may not move right now on this earth and that's still okay because he'll move with you in eternity and you'll look back because maybe you won't ever get that perspective couple years from now you may not ever be able to have that perspective of what was God doing a couple years ago you may not get that perspective right now that's the reality you may not ever get answers about why something happened but one day you will be in eternity and I do believe that you will have a clear picture of all that God was doing in the background you may not get that answer now but you will get that answer later This is a beautiful picture of the gospel that we see here. It's almost as if we get this shadow of something that's really about to happen. In fact, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 6, it says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. You see, because the reality of it is is that God is still doing this same work. God is still calling people. And the picture that Paul gives us, he's calling us from what? Death to life. 1 Peter 2.9 He calls us from darkness into his marvelous light. So you get this picture that's going on here uh, of this foreshadowing of of what the plan of Jesus is. I may not redeem you of this physical issue you got going on, but let me tell you something. I can redeem your soul from death. And that's beautiful. That's what we rejoice in. Is that God has called us from death to life. And the reality of it is, is if you're not a believer in here, hear me. I don't think it's by accident that you're in this room 
And I do think that because you're in this room, it is evidence of the Holy Spirit drawing you and wooing you. And hear me, he's calling you, come out of death into life. You get this foreshadowing of this, and this is so exciting to us. And even if you're a believer, this is really incredible news because once you were dead, and by his grace and mercy, he has made you alive. God calls you just like he called Lazarus to get on out your tomb, and he's still calling us today. And if you're not a believer here this morning, he's calling and he's wooing and is drawing you to come it is evidence of his love for you while we are in our suffering we see Jesus reminding us of who he is maybe we have Jesus just comforting us or perhaps Jesus is there to really show off his sovereign power despite whichever it is here's the incredible news that we got in this and he's there. This is an incredible God that we serve. And I invite you to follow him this morning. Let me pray.